Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. My name's Sam, and I'm one of the uh, pastors and deacons at uh, Wrigleyville, and excited to take us in a, a slightly more practical di- uh, direction for these next few moments that we have together, right? We've, we've remembered our mortality. We've um, heard it read over us that we are from the dust, and we will be returning to the dust. We are all literally dying. Um, we are on our way toward death. And that is a hard truth to, to live into. And yet, um, as, as followers of Jesus, at least in the scriptures, we see that death always, in some mysterious way, leads to resurrection. Uh, Paul, the apostle in Romans 6, writes something uh, pretty profound. He says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united to him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. In the kingdom of God, death, always leads to resurrection. And the beauty of the season of Lent is that we not only participate in being united with Christ in mortality, we also participate in Christ's immortality, in resurrection life, even now. Though not fully resurrected, we can begin to experience new resurrection life even now in the kingdom of God. And that's, that's what the season of Lent is all about. Because yes, the season of Lent is a time for us to join Jesus while he fasts for 40 days in the wilderness, while he begins his journey down the mountain toward Jerusalem, toward the cross. But it's also a time for us to prepare for resurrection. It's a time of preparation, a time where we open our hearts, as we just sang in this song, for a garden to bloom out of the grave that is within us. And I love that Brian pointed this out. The word Lent literally translates to spring. Lent is a springtime, almost like today, how we could feel the warmth of spring in Chicago. I mean, we never get that on on March 2nd. It's still the dead, snow's coming probably. But but we got to experience a little, little taste of what resurrection might feel like after a very cold and dead winter. We got to experience that and we can rejoice this Lent because death will always lead to resurrection. Uh, one of my favorite theologians calls Lent a bright sadness. It's a bright sadness. I love this metaphor because it shows the paradox of Lent, the mystery of a, of a season where we, jo- where we rejoice, but we do it while we're mourning, where we experience pain, but that pain is leading toward healing, where we experience death that is leading us to life. So in Lent, like Brian was saying, we can embrace our pain. We can embrace our hunger in order to fully experience that joy we feel when we have a real satisfying meal. We can embrace lament and sorrow and sadness so that we can know what it really means to celebrate. We can embrace pain and difficulty so that we can know what it really means to be healed. 
We embrace our, our mortality. That's why we bear this cross on our foreheads. Um, we, 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 we embrace our mortality, that we are dust returning to dust and death, but that in some mysterious way through that, we can more fully experience what it means to be resurrected through Jesus Christ. That is the, the beautiful paradox of Lent, this bright sadness. Now, I don't know what your experience with Lent has been. I don't know each of you individually and your history. I don't know if it, for you, felt like that was a thing that became legalistic and, and just certain people did it and it just kind of became a rule that you had to follow. Or I don't know if it's completely brand new to you or, or maybe it's something you've dabbled in before. But for me, I know that Lent growing up was kind of a surface level time for just kind of giving something up. Up, right? Just maybe giving up something like chocolate or, or coffee or, or, or meat on Fridays, something kind of simple like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can learn a lot. But the amount of thought that went into it for me as a child was, was just kind of like, yeah, what could I do that like, will make my mom happy that I'm doing this, but it really won't be that hard? Like, what's a dessert I don't like that much? Okay, I'll give up chocolate cake when really I just want vanilla ice cream. Um, it, just, it just became a time for giving up that kind of surface level thing. Now, now what I wanna invite us into is to ask ourselves, what if we tried to go a little bit deeper this Lent? What if we really asked ourselves, not what's something I could give up on the surface, but where do I really need and desire to experience resurrection in my life? What if it was less about letting go that surface level desire and more about, like Brian said, experiencing your deep soul level desire, the desire you have for peace, for hope, for justice, for joy, for love. We all have these deep soul level desires, but I think if we're honest, a lot of us have trouble actualizing them in our lives. We have trouble actually feeling them, experiencing them, witnessing them. Dallas Willard, I think, points this out in The Spirit of the Disciplines. He says, the general human failing is to want what is right and important, but at the same time, not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action that we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it reality. Well, that's exactly why we're practicing Lent this year. We're gonna commit to the kind of life that hopefully will bring to fruition the deep desires that we all have for resurrection, for beauty, for wholeness, for goodness. So in order to do that, we're gonna get a little bit practical tonight. If, if you can try to take this out of sermon mode and we're gonna sort of transition into workshop mode. So kind of try to, try to prepare your brain to think less, I'm listening to a somewhat smart guy who knows a little bit about God, tell me stuff about God, and think more, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work like I'm in, a, I'm in a classroom, I'm in a gymnasium, I got to do the stretches, I got to do the work along with, it, with, the, with the teacher, all right? So that's where we're about to go, and we're going to press into two big questions. Where do I desire new life? And what are some practices from the way of Jesus that I can do to join God in that work of resurrection that God wants to do in my life? I'm gonna just, before we jump into the workbook, give one just quick example from, from my own life that might help you kind of see what this actually means. So uh, a number of years ago, before I was uh, dating and married to, to Shannon, who I'm currently married to, I was in a dating relationship with someone who I thought, you know, maybe, maybe could have been the one. And uh, out of nowhere, she broke up with me. She broke up with me 
Um, and so naturally, I was hurt, I was sad, and so I went into a time of self-reflection. Why did she break up with me? I thought this was working. What, what was I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? She gave me a few reasons why, which give or take could be helpful, might not be, but she gave me a few reasons, and, and um, in the moment didn't make sense, but one of the things she said was, you know, you always shoot down my ideas. You always say no when I have a suggestion to go try this restaurant or go do this activity. Your first response is always, eh, I'm, not, I'm not sure, I don't know about that. And then you come back with your idea and that's what we end up doing. And I took that feedback that she gave me and, and kind of pressed into it. Um, it just happened to be the week before Lent when she broke my heart. And so I, um, I heard about this, uh, well, I was a part of a church at the time, and this, this guest speaker came, and he led us through a Lent experiment. And the timing could not have been more perfect. He was asking questions that helped me see beneath the surface of what was really going on in my life. And he helped me, his name is Mark Scandrett. He's a, a Christian speaker, and he, he's written a book called Practicing the Way of Jesus. And everything we're gonna do for the rest of the evening is very influenced by his work, but his, his Lent experiment helped me see what is something that I could fast from that might, might help me grow in this area where I'm experiencing dryness, this area where I'm constantly saying no. And so it hit me. I should just fast from saying no to other people's ideas. For 40 days, I should say yes first, even if I don't think it's the best idea, even if I don't think it's something I really want to do or something that sounds cool, I want to become the kind of person who embraces other people's ideas rather than always thinking what I want is best. So I did that for 40 days. And I can honestly say it changed me. I began to experience new life that even to this day, now I still struggle with this, Shannon will tell you that, but but I'm much more open when people have ideas. I'm much more willing to, to try new things. And I think that's a little bit of a taste of what resurrection is like. It's that transformation that God can do in us when we partner with him. So this is where the Lent Experiment booklet comes in. If you don't have one, there's some out on the on the counter in the foyer, and, and if you have a pen, that would be great. Um, we're, gonna, we're gonna get real practical uh, here, but essentially we want to experiment with how, how can I actually join God in becoming more open to God's resurrection power in my life? One, one last note about this, because I think there's a lot of pushback. A lot of these questions might sound as if all the work is on you, as if you have to figure out exactly what you need to do in order to experience resurrection rather than simply receiving the, the work that God has already done for you. So I just want to say there is nothing about this with a spirit of legalism. I hope you, I hope you hear that. There's no shame. We're not earning anything from God. We're simply participating, really receiving and responding to the grace that God has on offer for us. Again, Dallas Willard, grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. So we are leaning into the Holy Spirit here and joining God in that work, uh, simply doing our part to just receive and respond. So this workbook uh, is gonna be five steps, which I know can sound like a lot. Shannon's over there with workbook and pen. Does anybody need one? Wow, we got one. There we go, awesome. Um, so 
It's five steps, it's gonna sound like a lot. We're gonna spend about two to three minutes uh, on each step, so we shouldn't be here too, too long. But the five steps are this. First, examine your life. Second, explore patterns and root causes. Third, imagine the new life is possible. Four, design your experiment. And five, commit to your plan and process it in community. So I'm gonna lead us through each of these step by step. Again, this is a workshop, not a sermon. Um, and I'm gonna leave some time for us to process and journal uh, our thoughts as we go. As I'm speaking, you can be writing, jotting down thoughts, ideas. You don't have to have a fully formed idea tonight, but the goal would be that you could leave this place having a good sense of maybe one thing that you are gonna practice this Lent, one thing that you're gonna fast from or choose to engage in this Lent. So let's, let's jump right in with step one, examine your life. Psalm 31 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So this section is really all about looking at where we might be experiencing some dryness in our life, where we may be sensing some dry ground, a sense of feeling stuck, kind of like I was, not, not fully alive. Here's some questions to consider. I'm gonna just read a few of these. Where do I long for newness to come into my life? Where do I feel stuck? What's not working in my life? Where do I experience tension, anxiety, conflict in my relationships? Where do those closest to me express concern about my growth and well-being? I gave that example earlier, that conflict was that I was always saying no to uh, my, my person's ideas at that time. But it could be a lot of other things. It could be I spend so much time watching Hulu, Netflix, streaming, or I always want dessert after dinner and I just don't have it in me to say no. I, I frequently complain or speak negatively about people. Those are just some ideas to, to get you going. So let's take the next two minutes or so, just have some light music play in the background. Just jot some ideas uh, for where you might be stuck.
Okay, so I know we're, this is something you might want to come back to if you need a little bit more time. But um, let's let's go ahead and and look toward step two: explore patterns and root causes. So try to pick one of the things you wrote down, and and where we feel stuck. Maybe one of the ideas that came to you is often just the presenting problem. It's not necessarily what's going on underneath that's driving that that behavior in you, right? To go back to the example I gave earlier where I was always saying no, what was really going on underneath that? Why was I doing that? And as I reflected, I, I noticed a fear that was actually driving me. I was afraid because I, I believed that I needed to take control of situations. I needed to plan everything around my own needs in order for me to truly be able to enjoy something. I didn't think that other people had my best interest in mind and therefore their ideas were just not very beneficial to me. And, and again, that gets at something deeper in what's going on in, in my life and who I am, very self-sufficient, very independent. So there's always something underneath that. So if, if you're an Enneagram fan, this section is for you. You're asking what motivates my, my behavior. So some questions to reflect on. What is happening underneath my behavior? What is my physical or emotional state when I make these decisions? When am I most vulnerable to what I struggle with? Probably at the end of the day for most of us is when we're, we're tired and we begin making these decisions that we, we wish we weren't. Um, how might my presenting problems relate to core issues of my personality? Maybe the Enneagram comes in there. Um, and what is the fear that might be driving my decisions? So we'll take two minutes again and just reflect on, on some of these questions and journal.
again, that's something you could take 20, 30 minutes uh, reflecting on, praying on. This is good stuff. So don't hesitate to go back to this uh, later this week. But let's move towards step three. Step three is imagine the new life that is possible. Uh, Let me just read this again from Romans 6.4. We were therefore buried with Christ through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We can live a new life even now. Um, So this Lent experiment, let me just be clear, this is not like a self-improvement project. This isn't just like, how can I better myself? But it's a response to the invitation of Jesus to live in the kingdom. A self-improvement project might think, which is is very uh, tempting to think this way, and there's nothing wrong with it, but might think like, I'm going to fast from sugar or alcohol so that I can lose 10 pounds over the next 40 days. That's okay, but that's just trying to to lose some weight. Whereas what we're doing is saying something like, I'm going to fast from from this or that, from from alcohol or from dessert, so that I can find my true comfort and solace, not in alcohol or food, but in the presence of God. That's what we're trying to press into. Here's another example. I can learn to live in the rhythm and presence of God with a sense of rest rather than striving because nothing can separate me from the love of the Father. Or God is inviting me to find my true identity as a child of the creator, so I don't need to add on to that or earn a sense of identity based on my achievements or what other people say about me. So think about what what is God promising me in the kingdom of God? Let's take a few minutes to uh, reflect on those prompts and just imagine what new life might be possible.
we're going to move on to step four. And this is where we're going to begin to get just really, really practical. We're going to begin to try to design a, an experiment that we can engage through Lent. And Mark Scandrat, one of the questions he asks, which I love, is what's one thing that I can do for the next 40 days that might change my life forever? So 40 days of, of letting go of something or engaging in something, this could change our lives forever. And as we look at this, we really want to develop a, a multi-dimensional approach to Lent. And, and that means engaging our whole selves. It means engaging both our minds and our bodies, right? There's a lot of research coming out, I'm sure many of you are familiar with, with, with the connection between our mind and our bodies. It's even more connected than many of us realize. So we want to ask these questions and we want to press in, like, what is a practice that I can do that will help renew my mind? Like a practice that might actually change the way I think in the world. Or, and or, what is something that I can do that might change my behavior, something that I do with, with my body as an embodied person? And that's, that's why fasting is one of the traditional practices of Lent. It, it engages, I mean, traditional fasting, where you're uh, fasting from food, right? It engages your body, but it also, it, it plays with your mind, and it, and it begins changing the way you think. So again, just to return back to my, my issue of, of saying no to other people, as I started to design an experiment, the first thing I did was a practice of engagement, to say yes whenever somebody asked me to do something for 40 days, even if I thought it wasn't a very good idea. Um, I even had a friend who, who, to be honest, at that time was, was more of an acquaintance and he kind of annoyed me. I, I didn't really uh, love being around him, but he invited me to go visit his parents uh, in the middle of nowhere, like a five hour drive away for the whole weekend. And it was like two weeks into Lent and I had to say yes. And so I went with him to the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, hung out with his family for a weekend. And it, it actually was this wonderful experience where I began to see him less as an annoying acquaintance and more as a friend. And, and I saw things about him that I wouldn't have seen. Uh, he might be listening. If he is, he's a great guy, and I love you. Uh, <laughs> he listens to all my sermons. He's so, he's, uh, he's so supportive. Um, and uh, he's, he's, I was in his wedding, you know, like we're, we're, we're really good friends, but, but that's, that's what I mean. So begin to design, design this experience, uh, experiment where you're, you're committing to say yes to something, but also committing to say no to something. Just a few more examples. Maybe you, you notice you're a big complainer or you, you trash talk people something something I do. Maybe a practice of abstinence, of saying no, is making a vow to only practice positive speech, to not speak negatively. Or maybe you choose to write letters to a friend and say something positive about their character, about who they are. Or to go back to the, those folks who just watch hours and hours of TV and you notice it's a problem. Maybe you don't say, I'm not going to watch TV at all for 40 days. But you say, I'm going to limit myself to one episode or or. 20, 30 minutes of whatever it is, whatever that activity is, and, and choose instead to spend 30 minutes journaling or reading or praying. Um, or if you're overly concerned with your physical appearance, you might say, I'm going to limit myself to two outfits um, every week, or I'm going to pause from wearing, wearing makeup or something like that, and I'm going to choose to actually speak positively uh, about others and about their beauty, right? So just a, a few quick marks of what makes a good Lent experiment. These are sort of best practices, if you will. 
One, it's specific, measurable, time-bound, and avoids ambiguity. Two, it requires intentionality and consistency. Something you'll do daily is really ideal or weekly. Three, it can include abstinence, stopping doing something, and engagement, starting to do something. Corresponds to a positive vision of what's possible in God's kingdom. And it's taken seriously. You try to avoid exceptions while also knowing that there's grace when mistakes happen and it's a 40-day season, you can always pick it back up. So with that in mind, just spend some time trying to think what's, what's one practice? Start there. Start with one that you will engage or abstain from for the next 40 days. So try to get real practical and, and design your experiment.
final movement. We're going to move into step five, uh, which is, is, is pretty straightforward, but it's, it's very important. So this is commit to your plan, track it, and process in community. I, I just want to remind us, really, that all spiritual practices that we engage in, fasting, prayer, worship, all of them are not ends in and of themselves. The purpose is not to fast for fasting's sake. The purpose is to become the kind of person who can have a deeper experience of the resurrection power that Jesus Christ gives to us, right? With that being said, if we don't commit to our plan, if we don't um, track it as best as we can, it'll be hard for us to, to really know if what we tried helped us grow, helped transform us into Christ-likeness. So the first part of this last step is just make a serious commitment to, to what you choose. It might mean telling a friend or, or, or family member, hey, I'm committing to this for 40 days. Um, will you, will you kind of keep me accountable? Will you remind me? Um, and then track it. Maybe it's helpful for you to put it on your calendar, set a reminder on your phone, put a sticky note in your car. You know what works best for you, so find what works and, and track it and, and commit to it. And then lastly, um, processing in community is just a really powerful way for us to experience a deeper sense of transformation. So I just invite you um, to really consider sharing your plan, not just with an individual who can keep you accountable, but with some trusted friends or, or even your, your small group, or if you're a part of a, a Missio Dei gospel community, that's a, a, just such a powerful way to check in on one another, see how we're doing as we, as we journey together. Um, we have some guidelines and prompts that we've put together um, that could be helpful for you if you want to do that in your, your GC or uh, with your small group. Just let let me know. I'd love to give you those prompts. Um, but also, we're going to be kind of testing out doing some Lent check-in groups here uh, with, with Missio Day, Wrigleyville, and, and Lincoln Square. And these are going to be like small groups, ideally about five people, but at most seven people. And these are just going to be five-minute check-in groups, right, where each person just shares for five minutes, here's how my experiment is going, here's where it's been difficult, here's where it's been fruitful, here's where I've been getting stuck. Um, and those are gonna happen Sunday in person in the, in the church building that you attend. So if you're part of Wrigley, you'll be here, Lincoln Square, they'll be at Artifact Events. Um, and again, those will just be five minutes checking in, but we do ask um, that you would sign up because we'd like to place you with the same five people. And again, if your GC wants to do it, let's, let's do that option too. But it would be great if you stuck with the same people. So again, you can track the progress as it goes throughout the six weeks of Lent. We're also um, gonna offer those on Zoom on, on Tuesday nights. So you can sign up for that. Uh, my email address is in the little booklet there. Uh, we have some QR codes too you can scan. It's all on our website. So, uh, again, it would just be a, a wonderful way to, to commit to what you're doing, to process it in community, um, and to really see what, what God does this Lent. So uh, let me just close um, by saying that in Lent, we, we embrace our mortality, and in so doing, I believe, the, the ground for resurrection uh, begins to take root in our lives even now. So, so why don't we pray? God, we thank you. Um, for the potential for new life. We thank you for what we sang earlier, that you make beautiful things out of dust. You make beautiful things out of dust. And we've remembered tonight, not only in our intellect, but, 
with our bodies, we've remembered that we are from the dust, that we are returning to the dust, and that yet from that dust, you are, are pouring streams of living water and flowers, new life, new resurrection can bloom in us and through us. And we thank you for that, Lord. I, I just pray against any sense of, of guilt or shame that anyone may feel. I pray against any sense of legalistic um, legalism or anything like that, Lord. We just want to receive and respond to the work that you're already doing in us and in the world around us. So Holy Spirit, may that be so in us. We pray through, through Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at missiodechicago.com.